ladies and gentlemen, you know what that sound means. It means that it is episode 122 of the Personal Arrogance Podcast, brought to you by the Bald Move Network. I am your host, Eric Walquist, and with me this week, because he's with me every single week for the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, um, that wedding last week. The wedding, dude. And also the uh, recent legislation in Washington. That's correct. Coincidence? I think so. I'm Jesse Wilson, um, platonic, <laughs> platonic co-host of this podcast. Platonic BFF <laughs> of the Personal Arrogance Podcast. Jesse, how you doing this week? Oh, you know, mm-hmm. business as usual. How how have you been the last week? I had a great week. I got married on Saturday. What? Yeah, I wasn't was invited. Beautiful ceremony. No, just close friends. Oh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I, the thing about getting married is like, ever since I got married, I have been completely exhausted. It's like my body has been all tensed up and like stressed out for like the last three months. And now I have like nothing to worry about. And I'm just completely like my brain is half shut off. Having a wedding is like the most exhausting thing you can do. Yeah. On a bunch of different levels, it's exhausting. And, if I'm not mistaken, it seemed like you were you were the engine behind the uh, the wedding for the most part. Well, I was so Lydia was the creative control, but right. I was kind of the field general. I know it was awesome. There was no bridezilla moments. There was only like potential groomzilla, <laughs> yeah. but you handled it really well. There were potential groomzilla moments. There might have been a few <laughs> groomzilla moments. But it went off without a hitch, and it was a beautiful ceremony. And Actually, Eric, it went off with a hitch. Oh! <laughs> Good stuff. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, it was very. It was a beautiful wedding, and I wish I could have invited all of our listeners, but unfortunately, we didn't have a room that held 14 people. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> with that this week, uh, Jesse, who is this episode dedicated to? Well, I think you know who it is. Perennial All-Star and number 100 like on Facebook. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce for the third time. There we go. Uh, Mrs. Eric Walquist. Mrs. Lydia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I think it's just Mrs. Lydia Walquist. There we go. There we'll we go. <laughs> the lady of the house has arrived. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, uh, this this episode's for you. Congratulations. Yes. And and thank you so much for standing up there with me on that day, both Lydia and Jesse. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Oh. Couldn't I have mean, done it without either of you. But the, Lydia was the, probably more important. The whole like don't lose the wedding ring thing is mm-hmm. real. Mm-hmm. That's like the biggest stress. And then, you know, like <laughs> you have they have the pockets, like in the pocket is the mini pocket, right. like for the ring mm-hmm. or for change, I guess. Yeah. Or a cigarette lighter. So I put the rings, both of the rings in the mini pocket. And then when I went to fish them out at that important moment, <laughs> I only came up with one. Uh-huh. And it, it had like kind of twisted inside my pockets, but kind of sealed itself off from the rest <laughs> of the pocket. I had to like dig around in there like a buffoon. <laughs> Well, it's, hey, man, if you're in there, you might as well play some pocket hockey. <laughs> yeah, in front of 130 front, people. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Excellent. So, I yeah, just wanted to mention that. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, you know, that's the type of thing, though. If you're, ever, if you're ever in front of a large group of people and you have to do something, the inclination is to try to do that thing as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. But, like, really just take your time and it will be completely normal. It's really weird when you like fidget and like freak out. People are like, what is he doing? It's such a weird human compulsion to have nervousness when our peers are watching. Right. Like, it must come from like some sort of like on the hunt and like you're the only one with the like the great spear throw opportunity at the zebra and you're like, can't screw this up, can't screw this up, (laughs) or we don't eat. Dang it. Well, that's like, that was like our football game. Like, we had some spectators. We had a little football game on Friday to kind of blow off some steam. We had a couple spectators, and everybody was playing like crap. And then as soon as they left, everybody started becoming amazing. I think that part of that was just Jordy's. Jordy shows up to the football game, literally can't even throw a spiral. I don't think he's ever thrown a football before in his entire life. 
and like can't get the thing to go more than like six feet. And he's like, how do you guys throw it? And I was like, well, you just kind of roll it off your hand. Like, you just kind of grip it like that and roll off your hand. By the end of the day, he's, like, shooting, like, spirals like crazy. He's making crazy acrobatic catches, like, just for fun. He's just like, I'm going to Cirque du Soleil this. And then just, like, leap into the end zone and then grab a couple of, like, hanging uh, hanging sheets and then climb up into the sky. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. I think, it's a, I think it's a ringer. He's been playing Dude, secretly. He's a total ringer. For the last few years. Jordy's a ringer at life. <laughs> he's very sneaky. He's he's secretly good at everything. I know. He's basically it's, the Dosecki's guy. He's even good at dancing. I know, he's an amazing dancer. It's crazy. It's not fair. <sighs> anyway, we got a lot of listener feedback this week, but before we do, I want to get to uh to what are you drinking, Jesse? So what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh one of your favorites, Eric, the twenty twelve celebration winter seasonal fresh hop ale from Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. I'm liking it. I'm not loving it, but I like it. Yeah, I like it. I don't think it's as good as years past. Um, I think 2009 was the best year for it. Yeah. But overall, delicious beer. I um, still think it's it's better than their standard pale ale. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm drinking some men's room, some leftover from the wedding men's room. And it's getting a little flat, but it, I like I kind of like it a little flat because it reminds you me know, of like a homebrew. I'm a – well – one, not all homebrews are flat. Uh-huh. Uh two, I like I like beers a little flatter too. I, yeah. It's like a traditional old school kind of thing. Exactly. I feel like it's more like uh, I don't know. You know, like because yeast don't fart out enough CO two to actually make the beer like super fizzy. So you have to add CO two to it. Right. But like this is like a regular beer that that, that just has farts in it and okay. no added CO two. It's like a cask. Yeah, exactly. It's like cask condition. This is my cask. So this is the men's room, the Elysian men's room, Amber. Uh, highly recommend it. Love it so much. I had it at my wedding. Have, Eric, have you seen the Buffalo Wild Wings commercial yes. that makes fun of homebrewers? Yes, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but it's also kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ones that's like, come on, are you kidding me? It seems a little too much. And yeah. you're like, okay. Yeah. Mostly like the background of his house where it's like, like there's tanks in the back and there's like lines running between them. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, but I like homebrews in general are usually pretty good. Like right when somebody starts homebrewing, that's when it's a little sketchy. But once they get the hang of it, yeah. I mean, like whenever we go over and have and have some of the homebrews you and Dan made, it was all good. Yeah, and there's a learning curve. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we got so we got a bunch of listener feedback. Um, we appreciate everybody who uh, wrote, called, and. Facebooked us. Uh, also, thank you for all your well wishes for the wedding. Uh, but we got to get to some serious business here because we missed last week's show. It's only the second show out of 122 shows that we've missed. Uh, That's not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, but one uh, out of 61, you can deal with that. You can deal with it. And you know, last time we missed a show, the guys from Blue Yonder got all pissed off at us, and then we mm-hmm. be- had, and then we made friends for life. Yeah, and that was force majeure anyway. There's nothing we could do. Exactly. Um, so uh, I want to get right off the bat here. Let's let's start off with a little email, with a little Gmail. Personal arrogance at gmail.com. This is our Connect the Dotsie for this week. Uh, Roger Dotsie wrote in. He wanted to know if there's a camera, a video camera, for under $1,000 that would be good to uh, to use. I see him in the direction of the, of the Canon T3i. Uh, you know, it's kind of where it's going right now is you want... You want to uh, you want to use a DSLR camera, which t- also takes uh, you know coincidentally takes great photographs because it's a photographic camera, but also takes great video. Um, second thing you wanted to do uh, ask us about was that he went on BoardGameGeek.com and noticed a game and some of its variations in the top ten of party games and never heard of it. However, proceeded to notice and buy said game in Target based solely on the BGG.com list. The name of the game is Dixit. Have you played it? If so, is it fun? And a goodbye for the fam for Christmas. Thanks. I haven't played it yet. I haven't played it yet either, but I've I've seen some people have played it. I've gotten gen I've heard generally good reviews. Mm-hmm. Um like a lot of party games, um what a lot of people are saying about it is that, you know, there's not a ton of replayability because once you kind of know the cards, uh then uh it becomes less fun. Which, you know, is right. like with like Apples to Apples, cards against humanity. 
uh, Cranium, any of those games. Once you start mm-hmm. knowing what the cards are, it gets less fun. But there are poker. expansions for it as well. Yeah, poker. There are there are expansions for it. Um, but uh, I think it's a good buy. I I think getting into party games is good. Um, because if you get your family to trust your game, uh, your game <laughs> sense with like some nice, easy to digest party games, maybe you can like throw a Catan at them, and then before you yeah, know it, exactly. you're playing Puerto Rico. Right. Let's do it. Yeah, do it. And let us know how it was. Yeah, please. If you, uh, do, if you do buy it. Yeah, Roger, let's let us know. Um and then we got a we got a phone call here. Uh we got a our listener uh he called in, Caleb from New York called in uh to our voicemail line three six oh three six two zero zero two four. So we want to get to his phone call and here it is. Hey Jesse and Eric, this is Caleb calling from Albany, New York. Um first time calling in. Uh came over from the uh uh bald move guys. Uh, when you guys all join forces, love the show, uh, like all the beer talk. Anyway, you guys were talking about who you'd want to be stuck on a plane with. Um, by far, I would want to be stuck on a plane with Nathan Fillion. Um, you guys are obviously nerds, um, just like myself. Um, I'm hoping that you have seen Firefly and are as adamant about its quality design. If not, you should amend that and you should watch it. Um, Nathan Fillion is a brilliant guy. He's hilarious. He's just nice in general really smart. He was actually a teacher before he was an actor, if you didn't know that. Anyway, um, thanks for uh, listening to me babble. Uh, stay arrogant, and uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all that. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, I guess. Happy Thanksgiving, I guess? <laughs> <laughs> well, Caleb, thank you. I think Nathan Fillion would be a great person to be stuck on a plane with. Plus, I think that he secretly could fly the plane. Like, if something went wrong, I would, I would, I would like, feel safe in his arms. Well, I mean, obviously he wasn't such a great pilot because he did have to get wash. <laughs> That's true. To fly the Serenity. I mean, sorry, Serenity. <laughs> By the way, I've seen the show. I've seen the show too. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I, I think Nathan Fillion's a good choice. He's very witty, great in Dr. Horrible Sing Along blog as well, another nerd favorite. Uh, and, uh, and then we got a, uh, we got a Facebook, uh, another, another of this, Awesome topic of people you'd like to be stuck on a plane with for seven days. Erin uh, Pittman wrote in. She said, all right, so I decided that after thoughtful consideration, if I were stuck on a 777 tour, I'd have to go with John Legend and not because of him so much, although have you heard Stay With You? Too good. But for his fiance Chrissy Teigen, at Chrissy Teigen, if you're not already following her on Twitter, do it now. You won't regret it. She is hilarious, honest, and obnoxiously beautiful, which would help during long flights, I imagine, and she has an amazing track record for sparting air marshals. What is more fun than that? I got to say I'm a little leery about this one. Like the jet, a little leery. Exactly. Just I a don't little think leery. that they put sky marshals on private planes well, either. And if they do, you don't want to know who they are. <laughs> I would like to. I'd like to. But so he... Then you could like kind of watch them and see what they do. <laughs> see if they fall asleep. Plus, I mean, it's it's fine if Chrissy Teigen is beautiful, but Aaron Pittman says that she is obnoxiously beautiful. Yeah, I don't know if that would fly, as it were. <laughs> I don't want to be on a, stuck on a plane with anybody who's obnoxiously anything. <laughs> but I will take her word for it. So we have uh, John Legend and presumably Chrissy Teigen and and also Nathan Nathan Fillion. If, once again, if, if this is if this has been milling around in your brain and you want to let us know, please uh, get in touch with us and let us know who you'd like to be stuck on a plane with. Uh, final uh, final listener feedback this week comes from Patrick Mayer, uh, and he says, I found this brew here at my local liquor, liquor store. I was wanting to find out if I found the right legendary arrogant bastard you guys are always talking about. It's hard to find a lot of your beers here on the Midwest coast. Also, I am up to episode 90 in your backlogs, and I love it all, fellas. Pat Mayer. Pat Mayer, we love you, too. You did find the Arrogant Bastard, but you found the Oaked Arrogant Bastard. Right, and this is a contentious issue. I find the original Arrogant Bastard to be better than the Oaked, but uh, friend of the show, friend of the show and MVP at life, Jordy mm-hmm. Hoyt, mm-hmm. actually prefers it. And friend of the shore, the Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, either way, you can't go wrong with Stone. I mean, Stone Brewery from San Diego, great stuff. Yeah, um, but if they you only do, put out quality beers, right? And, but if you do get the chance, Pat, go ahead and, and try to track down just a regular arrogant bastard because it's delicious. 
Now, Eric, you said that was our least last piece of feedback, but I don't believe that's true. Okay. On oh. our Facebook, uh, I mentioned we were recording soon, and Michael Coffey said, shout out to Ben Hall. And Ben Hall said, yeah, shout out to me. Then Jimmy Hall chimed in, and brother Jimmy Hall, we're not really brothers, spoiler alert. Followed up by Sean Nelson said, and Sean. And finally, Ben Hall wrapped it all up with, shout out to Sean Nelson terror swag. So there you go. But just to make sure that that was uh, properly iterated. Right. I mean, we did ask, and you and you received. But mm-hmm. I kind of like this. I think maybe people should keep an eye out Wednesday nights for our little posts, and we'll post there when we're recording and see if you want to drop us any bombs right before we go on the air. Just we'll we'll give you the opportunity to do that on Facebook. Yeah, so, there you go. So keep an eye on our Facebook page. All right, uh, Jesse. Uh, I think it's time to do a little tiny Matt roll off. What do you say? I agree. I'm going to roll digitally now, and I rolled a, a whopping six. Okay. We're each rolling 20-sided dice. See who gets stuck first. Jesse rolled a six. I rolled a 17. Wow. Did you have to beat me and then by 10 also? Yes. And then by okay. one. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I, uh, so this week I'm going to start off with one of your favorite people, Jesse. Uh-huh. None other than Mr. Kevin Smith. Oh, good. What's that little guy up to now? What's that little guy up to? Now, Kevin Smith, uh, Jesse and I have a bit of a interesting history with Kevin Smith. Not in the fact that we've ever spoken to him in real <laughs> life or anything, but we have a bit of a not impressed with Kevin Smith thing going on. Just in I terms guess of you his work. call it that. Just in terms of his work. Right. Because there are some things that are very well, impressive. And personality a little also. Just and it stems from, it's really stems from his rant that he had at Sundance Film Festival like a while back. And that was uh like we talked about that on like episode twenty eight. Don't quote me on the episode, but if you really want to <laughs> check it out, the episode's called Smod Rant, I think. Right. Um so, uh, so Kevin Smith would not want to be stuck on a plane with him, by the way. No, I don't think so. That but, would be like Rihanna level disaster for me. <laughs> I would take the Rihanna plane over the Smod plane. <laughs> well, see, and this, I mean, Kevin Smith has done wonders for podcasting in a lot of ways. I mean, a lot of people are listening to podcasts now because of Kevin Smith. And he's got a similar vibe to like an Adam Carolla in the podcast world. He's got to do it right. himself. So we respect that about him. We're just not like thr- we're not like huge fans of his work or his rants, <laughs> um, but he is doing something that's very interesting. So he said that, uh, and I think Jesse, you'll be excited about this. Je- uh, Kevin Smith has said that he is he's wrapping it up as a director. Uh huh. I, th- um, I thought he had already kind of made that decision, and that Red State was going to be his final movie. Well, he said that uh, he did Red State, and then he said that his next movie, Hit Somebody, was going to be his final movie. Oh, right. A hockey movie. Hockey movie. So he has this hockey movie, Hit Somebody. It was originally this huge script. He was going to do two movies. Um, And then yesterday found out that it was only going to be cut down to one movie. He was going to do like a Kill Bill thing, and now it's Mm -hmm. being cut back down to one movie. So he was talking on his podcast today. uh, He tweeted this out. He said, when does Hit Somebody... Come over the boards and how the place to hear it is episode 99 of Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. So in the episode, him and uh, and Jason Muse, who's a Jay, uh, basically reveal over 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 a long period of time that uh, this is going to be a mini series. Hit somebody's mm. going to be a mini series. Um, he's already got a relationship with AMC, so presumably it's going to be on AMC. Personally, I hope it's on Netflix because Netflix is kind of getting into this miniseries game. Um, yeah. The Arrested Development is going to be released on Netflix. Uh, the uh, new Kevin Spacey TV show that's directed by David Fincher is going to be on Netflix. So they're doing some cool things in that space. I think this would be a good place for that because this is the type of probably thing you want to sit down and watch all the way through. Um, but basically, uh, basically, Silent Bob himself, uh, Kevin Smith, was talking to Jerry Bruckheimer, his good friend, Jerry Bruckheimer, a huge producer, you know, he not only does CSI, but he does, you know, uh, he did, uh, Pearl Harbor. He does all the, all the Jason, uh, Michael Bay stuff. Um, and Jerry Bruckheimer was, is a big hockey fan and he couldn't get a hockey movie made. Uh, and so when Kevin Smith heard this, he was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to do a miniseries. 
<laughs> um, so this, there's, there's a couple interesting levels on this. First of all, I think that hockey movies are cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, good track record. It's hard to record. go wrong with hockey. Yeah. I mean, so you have Mighty Ducks, obviously. Right. Um, you have D2. You yeah. have uh, D3. Uh-huh. You have uh, Slapshot. Uh-huh. Right? Um, there's a movie that came out recently. It's actually watched instantly on Netflix. It's called Goon. Have you seen Goon? No. It's a pretty good movie. I don't know. Liddy didn't like it. I liked it. Um, there's a lot of fighting in it, a lot of cursing. Um, there's, uh, but it's basically about this dude who's a terrible skater, but a great fighter. He's got an iron jaw and he basically becomes a fighter in like this minor league hockey system in like, uh, Nova Scotia and like Eastern, uh, Canada, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Um, and it, it stars Sean William Scott, who's, you know, plays uh, Stifler in American Pie. It's a good movie. I liked it. Um, uh, so I think there's a good track record for these types of movies. I like minor league hockey movies. I think minor league hockey is a very interesting place to go. Uh, I think minor league sports in general are very a very interesting thing because you have all these guys who've been like the best at their sport their entire lives, but they're not good, quite good enough to make it to the pro level. Right. But they're good enough to like make a like scratch by a living on it. Um, so that's kind of interesting. Um, I kind of wish there was a minor league NFL. I mean, I guess yeah. you could say that's college, but it's not really. Yeah, I mean, they basically turn college into minor league football. Um, right. And there's a lot of problems with that, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess if you... I guess it wouldn't be worth it to play football for your whole life if you weren't in the NFL, though. Yeah, well, I mean, there's the CFL. There's Canadian Football League. Right. Um. And then back in the 80s, there was the USFL. Right. Which was actually going really well until a guy named Donald Trump bought the, uh, I think they were like the New Jersey Generals or something. And then was like, well, uh, I want this league to be as good as the NFL. They were playing the USFL games in the spring. And they, and Donald Trump basically forced them to start playing in the fall, competing directly with the NFL. And it completely killed the USFL. Well, thanks, Donald Trump. Yeah. I believe I derailed you a little bit, Eric. <laughs> anyway, I could I could go on and on. There's also a great docu- uh, 30 for 30 documentary on the fall of the USFL. It's, it's, yeah, I it, wanted to watch that. I think I'll watch that tonight. It's it's an interesting documentary. Not really well put together, oh. but it's an interesting documentary. Well. Because USFL for a while, I'm, I'm just going to talk about this for a little bit. USFL, the U, I find it very interesting. The USFL... Uh, it was actually when it came into the league, it signed like the next three Heisman Trophy winners. So, really? Yeah. So it was like kind of picking up steam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just fell apart because uh, they tried to compete directly with the NFL. Anyway, I think hockey is great. I think hockey is a great uh, sport to make a movie around because hockey is also another one of those sports where you don't really have to know all the rules. Like baseball has, <laughs> has a ton of rules. Baseball has a ton of crazy rules that make not a lot of sense and are very hard to explain to people who don't know about baseball. So but, does football though. Yeah, but like baseball is like like what's a, what like what's an out in baseball? I I'm, I'm not getting into this. This is the thing, it's very intuitive. You either catch the ball before it hits the ground or you throw the ball uh, to a base before somebody gets there as long as they're being forced to that pace or you can tag them out or you can strike them out. A strike, well, that's if you miss the ball or if the pitcher throws it in the strike zone but you don't swing at it or if you foul the ball twice but you can't foul out uh, and strike out, you have to strike out by either swinging or not, not hitting a ball that's in the strike zone. Right. Very simple what an out is. So three of those, the inning's over. Uh, <laughs> anyway, hockey, you get the puck in the goal and if somebody has the puck, you hit them. It's very simple. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm behind it, and I think I think these this would be cool. But I, I, what I really wanted to talk about was this whole idea of using miniseries for these directors. I think that the miniseries is a very interesting place for directors to kind of breathe a little bit more. Right. Um, so Kevin Smith is doing this. Uh, Quentin Tarantino recently did a interview with The Hollywood Reporter where he was talking about his next project or one of his future projects. Because he, when he writes a movie, like when he writes Django Unchained, 
the movie is like five hours long. Like it's <laughs> as long as Kill Bill. Right. The only movie that he got to make was Kill Bill. That was like the entire script. Um, and every other movie he's got to chop out, right? Right. So he said in this interview, he's like, you know, if I was going to do a movie in the do future. Do it as the voice, Eric. Well, you know, if I was, uh, if I was going to do a movie, uh, you know, I, w- I would, I would, I would have a huge, uh, you know, a movie. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> he, he wants to do a miniseries as well. He would love to do a miniseries on HBO. Uh, and I think that the miniseries space is a perfect place for these directors to actually tell like a great story. Steven Spielberg has proved this with Band of Brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if Quentin Tarantino gets to do his thing, that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what David Fincher does, um, with his Netflix show. I think that's going to be a full series, but, uh, but you know, and, and, and even going back to, uh, to the phone call we got, um, to the phone call we got from Caleb, uh, I, Firefly is all, pretty much a miniseries. I mean, yeah, it, it truly is. It's it's of course has like kind of a terrible ending to a series, but because it doesn't end. Um, and yeah, then but it, it kind of does. There's just yeah. a special movie edition ending, right? Right. Um, but but it basically Firefly has become a miniseries, right? Um. So, I don't know. I'm behind it. I'll watch it. And that's the thing. I'm much more open to watching a miniseries for some reason than I am to sitting down in a movie theater watching a Kevin Smith movie for two hours. <laughs> but I would totally watch a Kevin it's, Smith like TV show or miniseries because I feel like if I can digest that in small amounts, then it's probably going to be pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. I think that actually would be a good medium. It allows you to tell you know, multiple stories without overwhelming anyone because mm-hmm. you can kind of like dedicate an episode to telling this one story and wrapping it up but still maintaining the characters yeah and, and you know these short-lived but much loved series like firefly like and also like right now on netflix i'm watching freaks and geeks again that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah. it's freaks and geeks freaks and geeks is great like i sit down and i watch is. two episodes a night i watch an hour i watch a movie's worth of freaks and geeks every <laughs> night i watch an hour and a half of the show every night yeah and it's just um, it's just great it's a great way to to digest a show, and especially in this era of movie of TV shows like The Walking Dead, like Breaking Bad, like Mad Men, like Game of Thrones. These are very epic stories that are being told in these installments, and people dig it, man. Like this might be the new, like movies are going to be three hours long, like James Bond's three hours long, Dark Knight's three hours long, uh, of course The Hobbit's three hours long, and then uh, everything else is a TV show or a miniseries. It's weird because it's like, well, which way is our attention span going? Is, <laughs> yeah. it, is it getting longer and we want these longer movies or is it getting shorter and we need it chopped up into 45-minute segments? Right, right. I don't know. Maybe – I don't know. <laughs> I have no good answer. So this, of course, begs the question, Jesse. Are there any directors or storytellers out there that you would love to see a miniseries from? Jeez. I don't know. I think you could do a pretty good, like – H.P. Lovecraft-based miniseries, uh-huh. like uh, Arkham Horror, the movie, like following these different investigators, tell it as a miniseries, yeah. like, oh, and there's an overall plot that, you know, gets wrapped up after eight episodes or something. Yeah. And I mean, Guillermo del Toro needs to do an H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> story. Yeah, It I needs agree. to happen. Um, uh, you know, another another director that comes to mind that I really think would be cool would be Edgar Wright, who did you know did Hot Fuzz and, and Shaun of the Dead, and you know he had Space, which is also available on Netflix, uh, <laughs> which is also a, kind of a short lived but much loved TV series. And with what he did with that, I think it'd be, he could do something really fun um, with the miniseries. I was also just thinking about this, and for some reason, I thought that this isn't a director, but. I think it'd be cool to do like a Davy Crockett miniseries. <laughs> yeah. Like a badass riding a buffalo <laughs> crazy uh like Davy Crockett. He's talking to his good friend Senator Daniel Boone, and then it ends at the Alamo with him going down in a blaze of glory. Well, that's a that's a good one too. Yeah. Are there any stories that you think would be cool? Because this is another thing. Is like I always thought that you know Zack Snyder did what he could with The Watchmen, but The Watchmen should have been a mini series, right? Like a six-hour mini series. That's how you tell The Watchmen. You don't do The Watchmen in a movie. I, you yeah. know, he, he did the Still best. Never saw that. I think he did the best that he could with that movie, 
but it still doesn't really live up to what it could be. Right. Um, well, there was a rumor on the internet I, over a year ago that there was going to be this like epic War and Peace miniseries. Hmm. And I think it may have been like a Russian production or something, mm-hmm. but War and Peace is like one of my favorite stories ever. And I think you could tell that in maybe like a 13 part miniseries. Yeah. I guess that's just a series. <laughs> at, at what part does it stop being a miniseries? Well, this is a great question because I was looking up what are miniseries. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, I went on the, there's listverse.com, which does a lot of uh, top 10 lists. So we're showing top 15 miniseries of all time. There's stuff on there. There's, of course, the HBO fair. There's John Adams. There's, uh, there's, uh, excuse me, there's, uh, you know, um, you know, Band of Brothers and, Roots is is probably the most famous of of all the miniseries. But then you have like the Clone Wars, which which aired on uh, comedy or comedy <laughs> Cartoon Network, um, and of course now there's the Clone Wars CGI television show. But uh-huh. it all started off in the early 2000s with a straight up animated show, yeah. looked like Samurai Jack, yeah, um, and it was a micro series. This is 25 chapter miniseries, but the first episodes only lasted like four to five minutes. Hmm. And then that was like episodes one through twenty, and then episodes twenty one and twenty five were like thirteen to fifteen minutes long, so like an Adult Swim show. Right. Um, so, but I mean, that was it was still twenty five installments. But I think generally anything less than fifteen. I think the whole idea of a miniseries is that it it won't go on. So as long as it, once once it starts, you know when it's going to end, and it's like within a year, then that's a miniseries. Yeah, and it's more just like. Like, we're going to put a season of this out, see what happens, and then make another season. That's what a series is. But right. I feel like a miniseries is kind of contained. Right. And I I, and I think with, with all these directors who are coming out and saying that they want to make miniseries now, I feel like we might redefine what a miniseries is. What about the Minnie Mouse mini miniseries? I love it. It's a Minnie, Ma- it's a Minnie Mouse miniseries that, of two-minute long shows. I got mini mania for this idea. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, Jesse, what's your first topic this week? Well, uh, I hate to bring it back to Caleb in New York, but uh, mm-hmm. I think I think this will be a segment that uh, he will enjoy. And to quote a uh, friend of the show, Yuri, it has the potential to be very boring, but I think it's interesting. All right. Um, so the 2012 World Harvest Report is mm-hmm. out. Okay. And um, I have the most recent edition of the New Brewer magazine, which is a Brewers Association magazine, uh-huh. which summarizes uh, barley and hop harvest for 2012. Okay. And bas- basically um, outlines the trends that are going right now and how that's going to affect brewing uh, in the upcoming years. And some of this information may uh, affect the price and style of the beer that you're going to consume next year. Interesting. Yeah, there's two major trends going on. Um, In the barley world, there is an increased demand for feed and less incentive for for farmers to grow brewing barley and more incentive to grow six-row feed barley. So that's for essentially for feeding livestock. That's great. So they can make more money feeding cows than they can feeding beer to humans? Well, here's the thing. Um, there still is a premium for brewing barley, uh-huh. but it's much more difficult to farm. Okay. So it's much easier to just farm a larger amount of feed barley than to risk, you know, the trials and tribulations of brewing barley. Interesting. So um, in terms of barley, it's this uh, 2012 was the second lowest production year in uh our second lowest of any year in the past decade. Okay. So uh on a on a bad year actually and uh for all but three of the last twelve years world bar- uh barley harvests have been at or below consumption levels. Okay. So essentially since the turn of the twentieth uh year two thousand as it were, um uh-huh. there've been a couple of major disaster years and the bumper crops, the I guess the reserves of barley have been diminishing and that has affected uh, brewing barley by 
increasing demand and uh, raising prices. So that might translate into uh, higher barley prices for brewers, therefore increase in the price of a keg and therefore an increase in the price of beer at the tap for consumers. So a couple of questions. Does it say what happened? So this is it's the second lowest barley production year in the last decade? Right. What happened in the lowest year? Um, Do they have data for that? I'm not sure, but it, there were a couple of disastrous years. Yeah, a disastrous harvest volume in 2010 wiped out virtually all the grains from the previous year. So I'm not sure what happened in 2010, but mm. something happened, and it basically wiped out the entire surplus. Okay. And- um, but in, in the kind of macro, they're saying that climate change um, – uh, population growth and uh, an increase in grain intensive nutrients for meat, dairy, and poultry have caused a, a demand of barley to grow up, whereas the production of barley is going down. So more demand and less production. And what's interesting is the bioenergy market has affected this too. So oh. farmers are being disincentivized from growing barley. And especially like in Germany, for example, they're trying to go entirely away from atomic energy, I think perhaps in reaction to the Fukushima meltdown. Right. And um, they're they're subsidizing farmers for growing corn and what is called elephant grass. I've never heard of this before. Uh-huh. And uh, so regardless of the quality, the government's subsidizing them. So, I mean, why why grow barley when you could grow elephant grass mm. and get paid for it? Okay, so my second question is, what percentage of beer is made with barley hop or with barley malt? Or one hundred percent. It's all barley. Well, I mean, you um, have wheat beers. Yeah, wheat beers will have maybe thirty percent wheat in them, but barley is the backbone of beer. Interesting. Yeah, you, you can't have beer without barley. Huh? Barley. Barley. Um, and one interesting thing is that, uh, the, as the, the price of feed goes up, you know, and other crops, uh, have, have been affected by things like La Nina. So now, uh, more farmers are trying to, ranchers are feeding their animals with barley than ever before. And my favorite one quote from this is, even such traditional barley consumers as camels and goats are emerging as more significant competitors for barley stocks these days. Interesting. So all that sweet, sweet barley you need for your beer is going to camels, camels and goats. And goats. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. So the the barley market looks kind of apocalyptic. <laughs> <laughs> this last year has been it was an uptick after 2011, and basically, you know, if it does hit a a certain point, then the price for barley will skyrocket, but that will incentivize bar- uh, farmers right. to grow more of it to the next year. It. So hopefully it all works itself out. Yeah, I mean, the, the other way that this goes is that uh, all breweries go out of business. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, with the tribulations of the U.S. auto market, uh, then there will be no one to advertise during football games, mm. which will fall to the downfall of the NFL which will lead to the rise of the USFL. U- USFL 2. USFL 2. Brought to you by um, wine. <laughs> lots Franzia, of... Lots official of... Official yeah. sponsor of the Awesome <laughs> Bowl. Lots of wine and cheese advertised during the USFL games. Or Very polite the, games. The brewers will go under, but then get subsidized by the government. Love it. Yeah. But only the, those that are too big to fail. Imagine if there are breweries out there that were considered too big to fail. In my opinion, all breweries are too big to fail. <laughs> Even the nanos. Well, I mean, the White House is brewing its own beer now. So what if it's just all socialist government beer? Or yeah, or just uh, return to home brewing, I guess, which is still mm-hmm. illegal in Alabama. What? Yeah, the only state in the union where it's illegal. <laughs> I feel like so many things are still illegal in Alabama. (laughs) Yeah, let's let's not go there. Um, On the flip side of the beer coin, though, we Uh have the hop 
uh, production levels, which are high. Great. Um, Sounds like so, a great combo. <laughs> yeah. So uh, low ABV. Well, I'll, I'll, since you get your alcohol from barley, it'll just be like all 3% session ales. That are, that are super, super, <laughs> super hot. <laughs> Imperial session ales. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So there's actually a decline in the world acreage of hop growth, but uh-huh. uh, the hops are becoming more uh, uh, acidic. The the alpha acids, which is where you get your bitterness, are becoming more and more. And the, the plants themselves are becoming, you know, disease resistant and mm-hmm. the farming techniques are getting better. So you're getting more of the bittering compounds out of hops at a, even as the total acreage declines. Huh. And uh, this is interesting. As a result today, the world faces almost an entire year's supply of hops in inventory. Wow. So a whole year's worth of backstock of hops. Um, and that's not counting the yields from the 2012 harvest. You know, hops are also a preservative. Yeah, exactly. They can sit around forever. So if the apocalypse happens, we can use hops to preserve things. <laughs> yes. And to embalm bodies. Get ready for your bitter jams. Yeah. Um, this glut represents the greatest alpha acid surplus the world has ever known, which is why experts refer to the current hop imbalance as a structural oversupply. Huh. So get ready for the hoppiest, most bitter beers <laughs> in the history of the world is what I'm hearing. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be harder for people to find these traditional Northwest IPA. All right. Hops. Specialty time. Yeah, I guess. So I guess uh, the takeaway from this is that beer might be getting more expensive, but it's going to become more bitter and more flavorful. It's going to have a lot more of a hop characteristic, and people might have to experiment with non-traditional hops for their IPA. So you might get some oh. crazy, like some Zythos, some Sriracha Ace. Uh, I don't know, just some different IPAs out there. <laughs> these these all just sound like marijuana flavors. <laughs> well, uh, marijuana and uh, the hop are cousins in the <laughs> world. Well, there you go. Yeah. It, and the beer will have less alcohol. Yeah. Sounds exactly. like a great future. Well, I'm okay with it. Session oh. ales for the win. There you go. Um, so, uh, all right, that's great. Uh, we need to move on to trivia. Um, this week we're doing uh, Trivial Pursuit. Genus 1 uh, from 1981. Please play along at home. I'm going to be rolling a die here to see which category. I don't want to do entertainment, so I'm rolling again. And we are going to play Stop history. rolling fives. History. Okay. Playing history. Here we go, Jesse. This question is for you. Please play along at home. What war featured the charge of the Light Brigade? I love that wars feature things. Uh huh. World War II featuring the bombing of Dresden <laughs> and the Holocaust. Uh, that would be the Crimean War, Eric. The Crimean War? Yes. Oh, you sound pretty sure of yourself. I'm going to do World War One. The Crimean War? You got it. Pretty interesting. Okay, this one's for me. How many children does Queen Elizabeth II have? Uh, I'm going to say, well, you got Chuck. <laughs> Does Chuck have any brothers or sisters? Uh, I'm going to say two. Uh, I'll go with one. I feel like you would know. Four. Oh. Why would I know? I don't know. You got English royalty ears. <laughs> All right, Jesse, this question is for you. Uh, In the memory of our fallen president, oh, who said, in the memory of our fallen president, we shall not fail? Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson. Damn it, that's what I was going to say. I'll say uh, Andrew Johnson. (laughs) Harry Truman. Harry Truman. I guess that makes sense. Totally makes sense. Wasn't assassinated, just died. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, this one, I need this to win. I need this to tie. Uh, what was the name of the dog in RCA Victor's trademark? I want to say Spot. Go with Patches. Nipper. <laughs> <laughs> Is that from the salt? 
thing? What? Or, oh no, no, the the sunscreen. No, that's from RCA. This is the dog who looks in the uh, in the phonograph. Oh, I I still don't know. Moving on to a geography <laughs> tiebreaker. No, you won. Oh, never mind. Yeah, you won. Well, I'll take that victory. Eric, your next topic is... Uh, all right, Jesse. Tense. Well, uh, got some very interesting news today from Antarctica. So, uh, news from Antarctica. Um, search for life begins in lake entombed under Arctic ice. So, uh, a bunch of guys from uh, science decided to go to Antarctica and check out these subterranean ice lakes. Um, basically these ice lakes are these isolated, but liquid bodies of water, um, that are, the one that they're studying is 150 meters below the surface so like 450 feet down, pretty deep, uh, devoid of light, devoid of oxygen under extremely high pressure. And, uh, basically they're going down here in these pristine areas to see if there's any life down there. So we were talking about it earlier, but welcome to Lovecraft. Yeah, exactly. This this reminds me of the the segment you did a while ago, where you, where you had all those sound clips of yeah. ocean noises that were unexplained. Uh huh. Don't go looking for something you don't want to find. Science. <laughs> don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. Exactly. It um, might just drive you insane. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched Men in Black Three. People will get that reference. Uh. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, so this is happening. Um, so these, uh, these areas, these lakes, um, these underwater lakes, they've been isolated for at least 100,000 years, but probably much longer. Um, and scientists want to know whether life can endure such harsh environments. If it can, the question is how. So basically, if they do find any life forms down here, like I said, it's like 400 feet, 450 feet down, extreme pressure, no oxygen, no light. Um, what is it, and how has it survived? Well, it, to quote Men in Black Three again, life finds a way. <laughs> exactly. I I bet. I mean, there's not a bad chance that they'll find something down there. I mean, there's mm. life. There there are. Uh, molecule, well, not molecules, but organisms. That's the word I'm looking for. Who have adapted to living in the Dead Sea, which is like 30% salts. But I mean, life figures out a way to adapt and survive. Yeah, and it's but it's interesting to me. Um, you know, there there's also there's this icy moon of of Jupiter that is thought to have liquid water on it. Mm-hmm. Um, in similar conditions to this, it's called Europa. So they're hoping that the discoveries that they have here will help them uh, to do extraterrestrial uh, organic research. So it'll be interesting. You know, the other thing is there could just be a monster unlocked down there. And yeah. the reason why uh, I think that there might be a good chance of this is because uh, they're going to do a three-day drilling operation that starts on the 12th of December. And this is like a really long operation. So there's a 3.4 kilometer. 3.4 kilometer. Kilometer. That's what. Yes. That's a thousand monsters per mm-hmm. mile. Kilometers. Kilometers. Uh, <laughs> hose that is strong enough to bear its own weight and a nozzle at the end. The hose is supplied with ultra clean water heated to ninety degrees Celsius, which blasts out of the nozzle and melts its way through the ice sheet. It's kind of cool because it's just ice, so you could just melt through it. Right. Um. Once the team is broken through the lake, they'll have 24 hours to sterilize the entrance of the hole with intense ultraviolet light and lower equipment into the water to collect all the samples they need before the hole refreezes. Oh, no. Yeah. And so they're obviously not sending anybody down there. Um, but this is all going to happen. The first samples are expected on the 18th of December. December mm. 18th, 2012. Mm-hmm. Three days before the predicted Mayan apocalypse. Oh, jeez. Nice. We're going to find all the Mayans. This is where they've been <laughs> hiding. They're going to pour out of the hole and destroy us all. <laughs> you know, there could be there could be like a terrible bacteria down there mm-hmm. that completely ravages the world and destroys all life biologically. Um, there could, of course, be a monster. 
And hey, if the Mayan apocalypse is a monster apocalypse, that's a pretty cool apocalypse. So the Mayans predicted that we would drill a hole in a lake Mm -hmm. and uh, there would be a bacteria that would become a monster and kill us all? Yeah. Okay. That makes total sense. Spot on. I get it. You know what's going to happen is they're going to drill down there. They're going to be all proud of themselves. And then there's going to be James Cameron in a little capsule just waving at him. (laughs) Like, beat ya, sucker. (laughs) Damn it, James Cameron. (laughs) James Cameron beats us again. You're not even a scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Scientists are pissed. That says my honorary degree from Evergreen State University, sucker. <laughs> oh man! And uh, did we ever did we ever get the uh, announcement from the Curiosity rover? Uh, I heard something come like float around, and it was like it was a miscommunication. Like they never meant it to be hyped up like that. <laughs> I think what the announcement was is that uh, the rover successfully was able to run samples on the soil for the first time. Wow. (laughs) So that's pretty cool. (laughs) Wow. The robot did its job. You have one job, Curiosity. (laughs) To be curious. (laughs) Ooh, look at this. It's soil. I'm Curiosity. Your job is to be curious. Yeah, uh, all right. Well, I I actually expect a similar fate for this. Unfortunately, they're never that cool. Yeah, that's the thing. I think they did a similar thing to the bottom of Lake Baikal in Mm -hmm. Siberia, which is the deepest lake on Earth, Yeah, and uh, came up empty-handed. Well, if they do find an organism, it will be interesting because it will have evolved in a completely different way than everything than every other organism on Earth. But then again, they could just find water because it sounds like a place that really life would be able to survive. If this is the place, if there's one place on Earth, this is probably the place there wouldn't be any life. There would just be water. Yeah, but on the other hand, like life began from these uh, nitrogen fixers that lived off of, uh, like, lava vents underwater. Mm. So, like, we we were born from extreme environments, so there's no reason to think that we couldn't evolve to other extreme environments. That's true, and that's why we love Mountain Dew so much. Because <laughs> we are so extreme. We're so extreme. I'm doing the Dew. So that, that's what's amazing is that <laughs> life has evolved to be able to drink Mountain Dew. Yeah, to do the Dew. To do the Dew. We've done the Dew. Uh, All right, Jesse, what's your second topic? Well, um, I want to talk about uh, something, a conversation that took place among members of the Nintendo company when they were talking about their Wii U Miiverse social network. <laughs> so this is a social network for Can the Wii U. Can I just say that Wii U Miiverse sounds like the weird, it's the, it's the <laughs> strangest name for anything that's ever existed. <laughs> it's true. The Wii U Miiverse. <laughs> Wii U Weavers. Wii U Weavers. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> this was director, uh, Yoshiomi Kuru- Kurisu uh-huh. and his team were, uh, discussing a difficulty that arrived when they're talking about it. So, this is, uh, this article is in the, f- basically in dialogue. So, I'm going to have to recreate it. Okay. So, starting with Iwata. I agree. The unique feature of the Miiverse is being able to send drawings, not just text. But since the advent of the internet, there have always been those who have used it for unsavory purposes. Mm. Right. Auto detection of bad words is very simple. Yes. Text messages may be easy to moderate. However, drawings are much more difficult. Mm. (laughs) I think I know where this is going. Let's get this out of the way then. (laughs) We anticipate that some users would draw. Can we even say the word? Go ahead. <laughs> Some users would take to drawing penises. Everyone. <laughs> so he goes on to say, um, it, it's true, but it seems to be more of a phenomenon found in the West. Hmm. So apparently our, us Westerners just, just draw ding dongs all day and, uh, well. they had to, they had to figure out a way to basically program <laughs> program the software to auto detect um, crude pictures of wieners. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. I wonder where the line is drawn. Like, can I draw a Polish sausage? <laughs> like, where, where does it end? Oh, that's can, a good point. Can I draw a still life of a banana next to a couple oranges? Yeah. And then, like, when it, you get banned for it, then report it. Like, hey, what the heck? I was drawing a still life. Uh, yeah. I, well, I, I also feel like we as humans are prone to seeing dongs in everyday life. It's a human thing. I mean, if it you is. look at if you look at the earliest cave pictures and sculptures, it's uh-huh. all just like boobs and wieners. It is. So, I mean, <laughs> who are you to play God and try and prevent us from, <laughs> from doing what from humans do? Looking at seeing a dong and everything we see. Like I so I was at the brunch after my wedding mm-hmm. and I peeled a satsuma. Now, I peel satsumas in very standardized ways because I, I found the most efficient way to peel a satsuma orange is that you just peel it. You like peel the top, you know, the little nub part. You open that up, you peel around to the other side and then you rip off the sides. So I peeled it like that. I lay the peel on the table and then one of the bridesmaids, I will not mention her name, but she starts giggling at my, at my orange peel because she thinks it looks like a dog. <laughs> and I'm like, that is just the most efficient way to peel it. <laughs> uh, is it or is that just your your <laughs> subconscious's uh, natural? I don't know pattern. Well, here's the thing: is that I've 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 been peeling sesamus for a very long time. So yes, I have noticed that these look like dongs, <laughs> and a small part of me was tickled pink that somebody else thought that it looked like a dong as well. That's funny, look, and that's honey, it's also. I'm painting the living room, but the most efficient way to paint a living room is to paint a bunch of ding-dongs on it first. Right. And then you just fill in the gaps. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> There's actually a thing on deadspin.com. It's every week they have unintentional dong submissions. What was that? Meatspin.com? No. <laughs> deadspin.com. There's unintentional dog, dong submissions where there's hidden dongs in everyday life that appear. That's funny. It is funny. That's the thing about dongs is that they're funny. Like, it's not like they're really explicit. Like, you know, there's like, a, like you say, a million ancient sculptures and paintings of dongs and boobs. Yeah. Like, it's not really explicit. Like, it becomes explicit when dongs start doing things to other things. <laughs> like, that's when it becomes explicit. But just a dong by itself is pretty funny. <laughs> That's a good point. A yeah. dog with no intention. A dog with no intention is pretty hilarious. Uh, here, here's one of the quotes from this uh, powwow they were having. Which is, you know what surprised me? No one drew a single vagina. Mm. You know what, Yuzawa? That's because those are hard to draw. They are hard to draw. And they're uh-huh. a mystery that will never be solved. And according to this... <laughs> Uh, a survey of Wii U users, around 20% of drawings encountered through Miiverse include one or more penises. What I love about the God. internet is like humans, like really, society is how we are forced to behave when there's uh-huh. other people around us. And right. the internet has given us this way to interact with other people without being physically near them. And we have just gone to our most banal roots. Yeah. It's like, I'm either going to be politically offensive, <laughs> draw a dong. <laughs> or try and kill you in this video game. Right. Or, or just try to maim you and then laugh at, laugh <laughs> yeah. at uh, oh. Anyway, so that's the encounter that the me Wii U Miiverse uh-huh. has encountered, which is twenty percent ding dongs. <laughs> well, there I, you and go. I think you could say, Eric, even though Hostess has gone under, I don't think the ding dong's going anywhere. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if we've offended you talking about ding dongs, please let us know. Uh, emails personalerics at gmail dot com. Find, follow us on Facebook at Personal Podcast. Please, like we said, go to our face. Or I'm sorry, follow us on Twitter at Personal Podcast. Please go to our Facebook page. We have our Personal Arrogance Facebook page. We have our Bald Move Facebook page. We post on both. Um, as always, check out the Bald Move Network. Watching Dead happening. That's awesome. Uh, we love those guys, and we're going to be seeing them soon. Um, 
And uh, and then please give us a call, just like Caleb did from New York, and we'll put it on the podcast. 360-362-0024. Say it with me. 360-362-0024. And uh, I think that's it. Give us a rate and review so. us on iTunes. We love it when you do that, and we'll read those on the show as well. Bam. Um, the bam. So, uh, so my first recommendation this week is going to be one of the presents that I got for my wedding, and I registered for it, and it's awesome, and I love it. It's a Roku box. Oh. Love it. I want one. Love it. First, the thing I love most about the Roku box is that I can not use my Xbox to watch Netflix. Because, like, I feel like every time I'm watching Netflix on my Xbox, precious heartbeats of my Xbox are ticking away <laughs> that I could be using on gaming. It's just no going, way, it, man. It's like taking your Xbox out for a jog. No. That's like cardiovascular for it. No, it's just <laughs> getting closer to Red Ring. <laughs> I don't think With so. With every moment it's using Netflix. So, Eric, no, no. Here's here's why you're wrong. Mm-hmm. When my Xbox Red Ring, it was when I had just gotten back from Australia and hadn't used it for like two weeks. As soon as I tried to turn it on, it Red Ring. See, if I had been Netflixing it properly (laughs) and exercising it. How to exercise your Xbox. That would have never happened. It's it's just called exercise, but it's spelled with an X. (laughs) It's an exercise always spelled with an X? Well, there's no E. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yes. But anyway, Roku Box is cool. Plus, there's other cool channels on there. There's the Machinima channel. Um, there's a revision three channel. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's just as easy to use. Um, the only thing is you can't use a Xbox video to rent your videos, but you can always use Amazon. Um, and then there's some other uh, video services on there as well. So I recommend an, uh, a Roku box. It's also really small. So like I could take it to, when I go up to my parents-in-law up in uh, Port Townsend, I can take up to take it up to their house and then plug it in and we can watch Netflix on their TV. Yeah, so that's awesome. awesome. I, I had one at one point. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I used to watch, you can watch, like, the Democracy Now! on uh-huh. it. Yep. You can watch NASA TV. Mm-hmm. That, there's, like, the Al Jazeera network. Yep. If you're into that. Get it, got it, So, good. for my first recommendation, you could watch it on Netflix on your Roku box. Uh-huh. And it's a TV show that I'm quickly beginning to love. Uh-huh. Raising Hope. Have you Have you seen this, Eric? I have not. It's It's basically, like... A kind of grown-up version of Malcolm in the Middle. It's like this wacky sitcom. The premise is uh, there's this like 22-year-old guy, and uh, he has a one-night stand with a serial killer, and she gets pregnant and has the kid, and then she's put down on death row. So it's like him <laughs> raising the daughter of a serial killer, and he lives with his parents. So it's like his parents, him, his daughter, and like his senile grandma, and uh, they all like live in this small town, and it's a fun one. Do it, yeah. Raising hope is a it's a great like girlfriend series yeah. to watch. GF it up, yeah. Just GF it up or uh, wife, I guess. Yeah, or wife. If you're series. married, uh, and then my my second edition, Speaking of uh, getting married, Jesse, I gotta recommend your best man speech. <laughs> it was a great best man speech, and. Especially, I think you need to, I, if you would, uh, just recite the opening of the speech. Because I think if anybody is going to tell a speech, this is, you know, there's always to start off with a joke. This was the perfect joke to start it off with. Would you mind Would you mind doing that? Well, Eric, you might not want to hear this. Uh-huh. That joke wasn't 100% original. Okay. I cannot take 100% credit for this. Okay. But I'll reenact it. Thank uh, you. Basically, uh, when Eric found out he was getting married... Which, that got a laugh. I didn't mean it to. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess I should have said when Eric proposed or whatever. But <laughs> When Eric found uh, out he was getting married. When Eric found out he was getting married, uh, it only made sense that he would call his funniest friend and ask him to be his best man. But he said no. So, feeling that, he asked his best looking friend, and he said no. So, instead, he called his smartest friend, and he said no. So out of sheer desperation, Eric called me and asked me to be his best man. And I said, Eric, I can't say no to you four times in a row. Got huge applause. Huge applause, people fainting. (laughs) 
people <laughs> rioting. There was there was that corner that was rioting. Yeah, uh, it was. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, a guy did come up and tell me I should do stand up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured there's one of two ways you can go with it. You can go sentimental or you can go laughs. Mm-hmm. So I just I I focus more on the laughs. Yeah, but it was still sentimental. I would call it fundamental. Yeah, because it's funny and sentimental. <laughs> fundamental. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did, uh, I did tie it all in with, yes. and, and made it sentimental. And it was good, yeah. man. So I would recommend that to anybody who's starting, who needs, a, who needs an opening joke. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, feel free. I mean, I didn't come up with it, so royalties <laughs> go somewhere else. Right. What's your recommendation this week? Okay, Eric. Stay with me on this one. Uh-huh. It's an episode of the Joe, Rogue, Joe Rogan Experience, which okay. is his podcast. Uh-huh. And it's with John McAfee. Okay. And he is the guy, he's the founder of McAfee Antivirus. Oh. And so oh, he, I heard about him. He like got arrested or something? He's on the run from the law in Belize with his 19-year-old girlfriend. And the Belizean <laughs> government is trying to find him because they say he was cooking meth in his lab. Uh-huh. And this is true. He did this. He went on, like, these pharmaceutical websites and said how he was, like, uh, he figured out the recipe to this, like, this super drug that made you, like, super hypersexual. And it worked on women, too. And it just, like, made you, like, crazy sexual and stuff. And, um, but he went on the Joe Rogan podcast to defend himself and he was saying it was all like a big joke, Uh but he's just done all this crazy stuff and like there's lawsuits pending against him in America and he's running like from house to house on the run from the law in Belize (laughs) and he took the time to call Joe Rogan and talk about it on his podcast. It's so crazy <laughs> it's the craziest thing and you like you can get a first-hand dose of it and you can try you can decide for yourself but even joe rogan who's like pretty out there was like i think this guy's on something <laughs> <laughs> it's so nutty yeah he, he's you really on, have to hear it he's on every computer is what he's on <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's super rich and he's just living this crazy weirdo like <laughs> he has like 13 dogs and like Oh, no. The reason he's wanted is because one of his neighbors or like neighboring property in his house in Belize turned up dead after McAfee's dogs got poisoned. So they think that he might have killed this guy for poisoning his dogs. And like he might be on like basalts and these crazy drugs. It's just insane. It's an insane story. (laughs) And he called into the Joe Rogan podcast to talk to him. That is crazy. Yeah, it's totally worth listening to. Oh man, podcasts are becoming the greatest. <laughs> it's true. Podcasts it's the wild west of yeah. media. <laughs> All right, well that's our show this week. Uh, we went a little long, but that's because we uh, were super short last week. In fact, we didn't <laughs> yeah. even have a show at all. Uh, so, uh, thank you for listening. Please get in touch with us, and uh, we love you a lot. And uh, we'd like to remind you that wherever you go, and whatever you do, please stay. Stay arrogant. Arrogant.